Welcome to the Unpolished MBA. I'm your host, Monique Mills. Many times entrepreneurs are called unpolished because they are scrappy and do things in unconventional ways. Well, I like the name Unpolished MBA so much that I even trademarked it. So on this podcast, we commend those with practical experience because they've proven time and time again that one can be successful in business even if they don't have a formal MBA degree. So on each episode, we discuss topics related to business and entrepreneurship. And I've been told that my guests and I provide insights and inspiration to aspiring and current entrepreneurs alike. So this is the place where you can come and hear real life stories that can help you navigate both challenges and opportunities in business. Now let's jump into the next episode. Unpolished MBA audience, today I want to welcome a special guest that is an entrepreneur as well as a PhD, Dr. Kenya Odor. Hello, thank you so much for having me today. Well, I'm glad you're here because I don't get that many opportunities to introduce PhDs that are Black women to our audience. So I'm excited to have you on and for you to share a bit more about your journey to getting there and also into creating a business where you've been able to, to monetize your knowledge. What actually, what did you study in undergrad? Psychology, but I I have an interesting uh, story of a, a, a path that was not straightforward. And so I started out in civil engineering Mm-hmm. and moved into kinesiology, the study of movement and motion. And I landed on psychology with the intent of going to school for to get a master's in physical therapy. So wait a minute. Civil mm-hmm. engineering is way different than mm-hmm. everything else you describe. I want to know what what got you into wanting to do civil engineering. I've always been fascinated with uh, machines and systems and big, big systems. And if you think about the infrastructure in our country, a lot of it involves huge systems and infrastructures. So whether it's the railroad, the road systems, transportation systems, I've always been fascinated at the complexity and the intricacy or nuances of systems like that. And the goal they have around moving people efficiently, safely, that sort of thing. So, you know, fast forward, my path has taken me to human factor psychology, which is the study of creating systems for efficiency, effectiveness, safety, and those sorts of things. So when I graduated with the intent of going to get my master's in physical therapy, I, it was a really good time in the workforce and the market was pretty hot. So I immediately got a job probably before I graduated from undergrad as a physical therapy aide. And so I worked with special needs children for a nonprofit in DC for a couple of years. And as I, you know, every day that I'd go home, it was emotionally draining. It was work that I'd look at and, and say to myself, well, wasn't quite as, I didn't feel like I was moving the needle enough for the the babies that we worked with. And, and I said, I want to get ahead of injury and illness. I want to create things that are safer and more efficient and effective for people rather than treating the symptoms. And so that's where I discovered 
human factors psychology. And so when I come home from work every day, I do, it was just um, around the time where I got a hold of a computer. So I go online and try to do my little research to figure out what's at the intersection of engineering and psychology and the life sciences. And that's when I found human factors and picked up and moved from the DC area to North Carolina to go to graduate school here. So you didn't have any other schooling between your bachelor's and the PhD. You had work experience. That's right. That's right. Wow. So that's still, you know what, that's critical because, and I'm glad that a lot of programs require work experience before you can just hop in. Mm -hmm. Um, You think that made all the difference. All right, let's take a moment to thank the biggest sponsor of the Unpolished MBA. That's TPM Focus. TPM Focus is a strategy consulting firm that helps startups and small business owners generate revenue and find their way to profitability when they're launching a new product or in a new market. So reach out to tpmfocus.com. TPM stands for the Profit Matters Focus.com. I think it made the difference. So me going back to school was um, my personal endeavor to do something different. And I think to, to, to think bigger about what impact I can have on people in their lives. Um, but that, that gap in between my undergrad and graduate school was an opportunity for me to not only experience something enough to say, this is not what I want to do, which I think is also just as important as figuring out what you want to do. So it validated for me what I did not want to do, but it also gave me time to reflect on what was the right direction for me. And so when I went to graduate school, when I moved to North Carolina to go to graduate school, I really didn't know at that point what I was going to do with my degree. I just knew that I wanted to influence the creation of more effective systems and products for people. All right. That makes sense. So when you were initially doing the program and you were assessing what kind of impact you wanted to have on the world Mm -hmm. and what capacity did you think you were going to do it? A lot of people do PhDs because they think they want to teach. So Mm -hmm. what was your thoughts behind what you're going to do to have that impact Mm -hmm. with that education? That's a great question. I, I like to say that I stumbled on software development as an industry. So when I was in graduate school at North Carolina State University in Raleigh, one of my peers had just finished up a co-op position at IBM. And she came into the lab one day and walked over to me and said, hey, I just finished up a co-op position. They're looking for somebody to backfill the role. You know, this is what a co-op involves. It's a good experience. So go apply. And so I was like, okay, it's an opportunity for me to work while I'm in graduate school. And, you know, obviously grad school in psychology does not pay very well. <laughs> and so I was just eager to make money. Mm-hmm. So I, I tried out for the role and I got it. And it introduced me. I, I literally came on the scene with very little experience using computers other than, you know, word processing, going on the web, that sort of thing. But I literally had to learn about the whole concept of software, the software development process, 
client server model, all that sort of thing. And that was kind of the start of the beginning of it all for me. Mm-hmm. I, I like the fact that you talked about the co-op thing. Um, in, in my degree, we had to do a co-op as well. And I just want to point out to folks, especially those who are even searching for jobs and stuff now, you see how she just described how someone told her about it <laughs> and she went to apply. That's pretty much how we handed off every co-op that we did when when we were in, in college. It's because someone already worked there and they typically will hire you if you meet those qualifications. So congratulations on that. But it sounds like as well that it was it something that prepared you for what you're doing now as an entrepreneur or no? Oh my goodness, yes. So the first thing I'll say is I've always been a connector and someone who is very intentional about developing relationships with other people. Mm-hmm. And whether it be my journey in industry or my journey as an entrepreneur, that has served me extremely well in being able to market myself and what my capabilities include. And so um, that experience of going through um, in-house roles in industry, climbing the ranks from an individual contributor to a senior leader and not only working from the bottom up and having that context, but also from the top down, those experiences helped me to understand not only the work that needs to get done, but also the way in which investments and decisions are made and strategies are informed and that sort of thing. So all of that experience made it possible when I decided that I was ready to move on to a new position or a new role Instead of me just thinking about moving to the next company, I decided that I was going to start my own company. So my network coupled with my context and experiences from the bottom up and top down are what made me feel confident about trying it out. You know, if if it didn't work, I can still go back in industry, but it gave me the confidence to say, at least try. I I take a look at your LinkedIn. Some people in business think that they need an MBA to be successful Mm -hmm. in business. And the whole point of this podcast is to debunk that myth because you don't need an MBA to be successful in business. However, I want to ask in your situation, as far as like even designing your business model and Mm -hmm. knowing how to market your company, yourself, sales, whatever those things are, how did you learn those skills and those fundamentals in order to stand up a business of your own? That's a great question. So first I'll, I'll, I'll say that my experience in industry or as an in-house professional, I was very intentional about understanding different departments mm-hmm. within the product development organization. And so when you think about marketing and sales and product management and development, looking at all of those different disciplines from the perspective of the mechanics and process that they require, because my roles were always focused on the customer experience, Mm -hmm. being successful at creating good or, or delightful customer experiences require that you also have 
tight operations within your organization. So that gave me the opportunity to look at these different areas of the business from the perspective of what are they doing? What could they do differently? What are they doing well? What do they need to you know, double down on that sort of thing? And so when I went into, when I started my own company, uh, I started with creating that like one page marketing plan and the business model canvas so that I could understand who's my customer, what am I selling? Who's going to help me gain access to those customers? So I utilized a lot of those um, startup frameworks, but also the concepts around making sure I could build awareness and tell the right story. So your experience as like in like user experience and basically customer centered experience gave you one heck of a foundation because most people especially in the startup world, they have an idea for a product and like how cool it would be if it worked like this and had those features and this features. And if it did all these cool things where they, there's a lot of great products that get created, or they may even have a prototype out there, but they don't make any money because they're not focused on the customer. So your foundation, it sounds like it it had you thinking on, that way from the beginning. So you knew not to just create a product without mm-hmm. gauging how customers can and will use it. So that's brilliant. So I want to take this back though, to when you said you use the business model canvas and different startup frameworks. Now, most people outside of the startup world had never heard of those things. So how did you find out about them mm. in order to use them? So, um, that's a good question. I don't remember how, but when you do work in in discovery and user experience and trying to inform product strategies or experiences, there's a real need to effectively communicate and tell the story mm-hmm. about the customer. And so for me, I have always been tuned into what tools are available to convey that information in a way that might be visual, that might be, you know, a one page view. So coming from my experiences in leadership in corporate, what I recognized is most of my target market were individuals who want information in sound bites. They want a one page headline Mm -hmm. of the information. They don't want a, a report. And so that experience taught me that finding effective ways to communicate the idea or the concept or the findings is what I've always been tuned into. I can remember years ago at work, one of my peers who was the VP of product management kept going to him and I said, did you read my email yet? You know, can we make a decision on this? Did you read my email? And he said, I have not read your email because your email is too long. Your, all of your emails are too long. And, you know, I I quickly got offended. However, that me feeling offended didn't last for very long because I took that as a lesson in conveying the most important points Mm -hmm. in a way that's succinct and effective. And so that kind of carried forward in my, my experience as an entrepreneur. So I struggle with that. And let me tell you, (laughs) (laughs) I struggle with that, that, you know, being succinct and like, I just feel like people need to understand the context, especially if it's like an important decision. So I've started using tools like Loom where I could 
communicate verbally, you know, in an audio format, just pop the link in the email. I even use chat and be like, simplify this email and it'll do it. Mm -hmm. And then I'll copy and paste it. <laughs> so have you developed that skill of your own or are you using tools like I'm using to be <laughs> better at that? Like, honestly, <laughs> honestly, I do use tools as well. So whenever I write something and, and especially like when I write content on LinkedIn or like you're saying emails, I will use chat to either start to frame what I want to communicate or I will go back and read what I've written and I'll read it for me using too many words and just replacing them like three and four words that can be replaced mm -hmm. with one word. And so I've recognized using bullets and, and different formatting techniques, but also going back and reviewing what I'm writing and ensuring that I'm conveying the most important points. So did I give or provide the context mm -hmm. in a sentence or two? Did I convey you know, what it is that's the focus of what I'm writing. And did I put that in bullets or numbered list or something that allows somebody to really skim it? And then did I round it out with sort of my point, my take-home point? Mm -hmm. And so I try to write in that format in emails and content and that sort of thing, because I find that it's a lot easier for people to get the point and kind of move on. Cause that's what a lot of people are looking for today. And yeah. I teach, um, I'm an adjunct in computer science, and I teach software engineers about the human in the loop and what I've learned, the, the best benefit for me coming out of that experience is understanding how young people are so on to the next. And so I've got to make sure I convey my point very clearly and very succinctly. Otherwise, they're moving on to something else. Wow. Is that a generational thing or is like everyone now from, from your experience? I feel like it's a generational thing for sure, but I, I do believe that those of us that are from some of the older generations, I do think that we are truly now conditioned to look for things that take seven minutes or less. Content, reading, whatever it is. And it's unfortunate, mm -hmm. but I think we're always seeking out more without really appreciating what's in front of us. And it's unfortunate, you know, coming from psych a, a background and a PhD in psychology, it, it's unfortunate to me, but that's the reality. Yeah, I, I don't know. I wonder if it will ever change. I was working with my teenager on, I was helping her study for her SAT and we were going over the reading and writing part. And in the middle of it, I, I stopped and I said, you know what? And I hate to make, make these points like, well, your generation, <laughs> but I don't say it in mm -hmm. that fashion, but I try to let them know how some of the ways they do things mm -hmm. or, or have been conditioned, just quick, fast and hurry. It actually sets them up for failure. And an example is in the SAT writing and math. I'm like, your generation is used to just, I mean, you don't even spell the word you out with Y-O-U. It's like you, right? There's no gr grammar. There's no punctuation. There's nothing. And also you're reading text and short form things over books that actually have grammatically correct sentences and structure. So when it's time to test you on those things for something like an SAT test, and mm -hmm. because your entire generation has been focused on avoiding reading things in that format, it's a weakness for your entire generation. 
And so she's like, wow, yeah, like I can, I, I could, I could totally see what you mean. And now one of the biggest tests of their lives mm-hmm. is like, you need to know this stuff. So, I, you know, I, I don't know if we can continue to proceed in the way we're doing. Either testing is going to have to change. Something's going to have to change because you can't have those expectations of people if it's not a part of their everyday being. To me, we're becoming too much of a skimming culture. So there's a lot of lack of understanding and critical thinking. Am I being too mean, <laughs> Dr. Ooh, Odor? You took the words. Oh my goodness, you took the word out of my mouth. I, I, two things. So the philosopher in me, wants to believe that there's a shift going on when we think about what generative AI, generative text can do for the process of writing. And, you know, I've seen a lot out there about how English majors and other people who focus on writing and reading, how that's changing in the whole secondary education system. I don't necessarily agree with, I don't necessarily appreciate that or approve of it, but I can't control how things change and that shift. Mm -hmm. And so when we think about that, to me, what matters the most, which I question if people are gaining these two skills as a result of how things are changing is effective communication and critical thinking. If we do not have the ability to develop effective communication and critical thinking as humans, we, especially as things get more competitive and AI and technology start to take over and do and replace a lot of what we're capable of without effective communication and critical thinking, you have to ask yourself, where does that leave you? Individ- as an individual or, or person, where does that leave you in the whole workforce? Yep. Because that is one of the shortcomings as, as a business owner, right? As I'm mm-hmm. even interviewing people and with some of my clients who are also business owners, especially mm-hmm. the mid-sized businesses, they are really just pulling their hair out. This one client, they actually had a person submit their application and their resume for a job. And there is an area on their resume and also an application that says licenses and certifications. Uh This person put drivers. They just wrote the word drivers? Yes, drivers. Like they have a driver's license. You see what I mean? Like how often, if you don't read, you don't have context for meaning. It doesn't, I mean, reading also helps you develop thoughts and and perspectives of your own you don't have to agree with everything you read but it gets you to thinking right in your business that you have right now the the name of it is lean geeks right i want you to tell me a bit more about the business like what you guys do Mm -hmm. and how do you help your clients be more human-centered so we provide insights to our customers about their their customers and user end users. And so our goal is to help provide organizations with data that either supports or refutes their assumptions or hypotheses about their customers. So you may have data that says that 
adoption rates are declining or there are aspects of your application that you know are not working or your service, you keep getting complaints at certain stages within your service offering. And so what we do is we go and get the why behind that. So we collect the data, do the observation, triangulate it with your business model and other detail to help you understand what's going on. And when you talk about addressing those challenges, we provide you with inputs to your strategy requirements and ideas or innovative considerations that maybe were not a part of your, on your radar to begin with. I work in the startup community, tech startup community. And Mm -hmm. as I said, this is the foundation for building any type of successful business. And it's, it's not really spoken a lot about in that community, but it should Mm be. Um, Mm -hmm. When I work with clients, I do. I focus on customer discovery, basically customer insights right on up and form their strategy on everything from product to marketing. You know, you Mm -hmm. you understand all the aspects of building the business. So with your organization, who do you consider an ideal client? What stage of business? Mm -hmm. Good question. So typically mid to large organizations that are uh, established brands that have the time to invest in getting answers. And so that could mean that that organization is hemorrhaging money on project delays, uh, rework, technical debt, that sort of thing. And so we come in and help to close that hemorrhage, stop the bleeding by giving them the insights that then allow them to course correct, get the team back on track. And the teams are then focused on working from data-informed requirements Mm -hmm. and insights versus when you hear teams saying, I think a lot, Mm -hmm. that means that someone's got to say, pause, let's go do the work to get the data to help inform the direction we should be going in. Very good. And so with that, what I found over the years, which is very interesting, I want to say this very quickly, that there's a huge opportunity to look at teams and operations as a result. And so what we found is over time, you know, we we come in, we deliver, and then we kind of leave. But what we've recognized is the operations are really the keys. So coaching is a big part of what we do in helping teams understand how to work together more effectively. So not only do we deliver for the project, but we then work with the leadership and the team members to help them understand operationally how to get better and more effective at what they do. Oh, that's excellent. So how do your customers, how do they find out about you? Are you doing Mm. outbound? Are you doing marketing? Is it from prior relationships? How do you get customers? It's definitely my network and prior relationships. That was where I gained the confidence to decide to go out on my own was knowing that I had a strong network. Mm -hmm. And so the majority of our opportunities come from existing network or introductions from within our network. And so over the last few years, what I've recognized is new kind of greenfield opportunities are necessary. And so we've put a lot into marketing. I've put a lot into marketing and telling my story because I think a lot of what Lean Geeks is, is my story and my experiences. And I want that brand to focus on inclusivity in the qualitative research that's conducted and making sure that we deliver insights that align to a business's vision for their products and their brand and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. 
Well, that's excellent. Well, Dr. Odor, how can people best get in touch with you um, to work with you or just learn more about you as a person? The best way is to visit leangeeks.net. So that's L-E-A-N-G-E-E-K-S.net. Or you can find me on LinkedIn, Kenya Odor, PhD. I also am in the process, I'm so excited of taking all of my experiences around human-centered design and applying them to people. And so I uh, have uh, completed and I'm about to roll out a coaching program that is a self-paced coaching program. And you can find that at drkenya.co. Oh, that sounds interesting. I'd love to learn more about that. So is that expected to launch uh, this fall? Yes, it is. And I'm so excited. It's gone through beta. We've done the work to iron out the kinks in the beta. And I'm so excited because what we've seen is um, a real transformation for the individuals that have gone through it. And I'm really excited because it's nine modules rooted in human-centered design. And why not apply the process that we use to create good products and, 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 and good services? Why not apply that to, to becoming a better you? Wow. Congratulations on that. That's a very important initiative. So I'm looking forward to that launching myself. I want to thank you for joining us today. And everyone that's listening, links that she mentioned will be in the show notes. Dr. Odor, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me and have a great week. You too. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Unpolished MBA podcast. To hear more episodes or to request to become a guest, please visit unpolishedmba.com.